This week, uh, we're going on with our series on the book of James. James, this is number seven. I'm calling this sermon Human Anger. Have you uh, ever heard someone claim uh, their anger was righteous? I have righteous indignation. I've got an example of my own righteous anger this week. Would you like to hear it? I knew you would. So last Wednesday, I was driving here to the church down Tuttle, and I came to the, to, the, to the best designed intersection in human history. You know the one I'm talking about? The one where there's the, the light for Ringling, and then 26 inches ahead of it's the light for Fruitville. What? I don't understand why. What? So I'm coming up to the light at Ringling, and I, you know, you never want to get caught at the Ringling light, right? Because then you got the whole mess with the don't block. And I, I had it timed perfectly, and this motorist, a beloved fellow motorist, <laughs> cut me off at Ringling. He made it through the light, forcing me to wait at Ringling on red with the Fruitville light just 26 inches in front of me, right? <laughs> and I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. <laughs> Heavenly Father, don't let Fruitville turn green before I am able to pull up beside my beloved motorist and instruct them. <laughs> In righteousness, God answered my prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. I pulled up, directing the driver to roll down his window so that I could, I could declare my truth. With my grace life hat in full view, <laughs> he fully complied. And for the full 90-second light cycle, I preached truth and demanded his repentance. <laughs> and after revealing the severity of his moral failure, he apologized and was grateful for my anger. He repented right there at Fruitville and Tuttle. However, I felt the need for one more memorable object lesson. So on green, I sped in front of him and cut him off before the next light, just to make sure. <laughs> and when I got to the next light, there's more. In my rearview mirror, I saw him do one of these. And I heard, I could see him mouth, thank you for making me a better person, a more righteous person. <laughs> it's a great story. None of it happened except for me being cut off at Ringling. The rest is how it played out in my sick head. <laughs> I can't ever remember my road rage ever making someone a better driver. Can you? See, that's the problem with human anger. It never brings about righteousness. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant or overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word of God which is able to save your souls. There were many reasons for James' readers in the first century church to be angry. 
And right away, as they read this passage from James, they would see several connections to the Sermon on the Mount regarding anger. And we're going to look at just two of those connections today. The first one is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. You have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. See, James's readers in, in early Christian communities were struggling with both severe, intense internal and external conflicts. There were intense cultural, doctrinal, and theological debates going on within the Christian fellowship that put a lot of strains on relationships. Remember in our first week, we learned about one of those controversies at the Jerusalem Council where there was this argument over how Gentile Christians should be treated. Remember, there was a big fight between Paul and Peter on that one. There was also resentment on another issue internally, where Jewish-speaking widows received better treatment than Greek-speaking Jewish widows. Hellenists, they called them. The Hellenist widows were frowned upon because they had left a lot of the Jewish culture and accepted a lot of Greek culture. Look what happens in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily food distribution. The Jewish-speaking widows were being fed first. Outside influences also had an impact, like culture and politics. That caused great division. Now, we can't relate to that today in 2024 in America, right? <laughs> Now listen, some in the church actually benefited a lot financially under a brutal culture of Roman exploitation. There were masters in the congregation along with slaves. And there were many temptations like this, like this for Christians to be quick to anger, to quick to speak and judge and retaliate. And when you did that, especially if your anger was justified, it would feel righteous, right? But Jesus had taught his followers to respond differently to these things than the world would. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 40, look at this. You've heard it was said, this is also from the Sermon on the Mount, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, in other words, you've heard it said, retribution. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Should have motioned for the driver to go ahead and get in front of me at Fruitville, too, is what I should have done. <laughs> if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Well, this is a problem. Let's talk about anger poems. I'm, there's a lot of deep theology in this passage, and so that's why I had to break it down to just three verses. Normally, this is preached in, con, in, in conjunction with the following four verses, but I really wanted to focus on this today because some of you have a real problem. I'm just kidding. I'm just not like, <laughs> I couldn't get past it myself. So these conflicts within these early Christian communities would be front and center in the minds of James's readers. They know that he knows that they're fighting. And he warns them, if you have real faith, you are expected to set aside this filthy overflow of wickedness. And he gives very easy, practical, easy-to-remember warnings about human anger. Be quick to hear, be slow to anger, slow to speak. So I want you to see, first of all, human anger is quick. The Greek word for human anger here is orge. We get our English word orgy. It's internal, emotional, violent passion. This word provides a, a very graphic picture of just how our Heavenly Father sees human anger. 
and how difficult it is for us to control our human anger. It's our destructive, this anger is our destructive internal passions that cause impulsive, unrighteous, sinful, angry, arrogant responses. It's a manifestation of your desire to take on the role of God, to be judge, jury, and sometimes executioner. You want your wisdom, your justice, your authority to be the only word. Talk to the hand. You don't need to hear anything else. You know what is right and what is wrong. Because when anger takes over, it makes us think about this. When anger is taking you over, it actually makes you unteachable, even irrational. Have you ever tried to reason with an angry person? Like they're just laying it out. Listen, let me just have a calm, rational discussion with you right now. See, you may not realize it, but this internal anger lurks within you ready to explode and take over control of your words and your actions and your attitudes. And your anger has one goal, to bring whoever or whatever into line with your standard, your rule, your law. They are the only one that needs to repent, not you. You are imperfect in comparison in this particular area. I would never cut anyone off at Ringling. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Human anger is powerless to produce righteousness in anyone, you or your target. Powerless. James says the anger of man does not produce the kind of righteousness that God requires or desires of his children. First of all, when this anger explodes from within, it causes us to sin. It causes us to be unrighteous. And second of all, our anger is incapable of transforming our target. It's incapable of making them righteous. In fact, it just makes them what? Angry. So that's human anger is quick. Human anger is filthy and wicked. So where does human anger come from and why is it incapable of accomplishing the righteousness of God? The Greek word overflow or abundance is parousia. It means abundance, flowing out. James says our anger is an orgy of filthiness and an overflow of wickedness. A disgusting, sickening explosion of human arrogance. Without the gift of faith, every human heart is overflowing with this filth and wickedness that can explode at any moment. It overflows quickly, too, out of our hearts that are filled with this irrational arrogance that seems to think that ourselves should be judges of all evil. It becomes an uncontrollable force, instantly steering you and others to unrighteousness. It first has its stop at your mouth. By the way, if I'm preaching this thing and you think, yeah, if you're thinking of other people that have an anger problem, this is especially for you. What is that filthiness and overflowing wickedness? It is the manifestation of our thirst, our lust to be like God. The human heart, especially without the gift of faith, naturally seeks to usurp God's role as judge and authority. 
It is our natural, in fact, it is our natural human desire and our instinct to want to sit as judge and jury. But Pastor Joe, what about righteous anger? There's room for that, right? I don't believe there is such a thing among humans. As a matter of fact, I don't think the Scripture teaches there is such a thing. We always believe our actions are fueled and our anger is fueled by justified reasons, don't we? Look, when I talk about human anger, this isn't Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. <laughs> you understand? This is not Jesus saying, my house will be a house of prayer. There's other examples where Jesus was angry. You know what he did? He reached out and healed someone. This is the overflow of our own filth and our own wickedness, even when our anger might be justified. We use the idea of righteous anger as an excuse of our filthy overflow. Can you see how that happens, by the way? It happens in politics all the time. Even if our anger is justified, our filthy, oh, even if there was a, a case where your anger was justified, don't worry, your filthy overflow and your own personal arrogance and wickedness will have no problem tainting your response. All right, the next thing I want you to see theologically, he says, receive with meekness the implanted word. So by the way, receive and implanted. These are both what we call passive verbs. In other words, they are being done to us. We're not reaching out for them. We're not choosing them. It says, receive, in other words, sit back and let him who implants the word of God do it. And when it happens, be humble about it. These are passive verbs. They're not active. They're not saying, you reach forward and receive. He's saying, no, shut up, be slow to speak, and passively receive. This is the good father of lights giving perfect gifts. Do you see that? It doesn't mean the faithful will never get angry. We will. After all, the world is full of good reasons to be angry. And how we handle and respond to the wickedness and the overflow of anger and what it produces is another great test of our ropes of faith. When anger causes filth and wickedness to bubble over, a child of God is able to recognize it and stop the overflow in its tracks. And where does this power to stop the wicked, filthy overflow come from? It is part of the miracle when the Spirit of God implants the Word into your hearts. Jeremiah 31, 33. I will put my law within them. Isn't that beautiful? I will write it on their hearts. That's the implanted word of God. When the implanted word of God takes root, it empowers us with the only thing that can stop our filthy, disgusting, wicked overflow. The implanted word of God gives you and empowers you to recognize your arrogant overflow and wickedness. The implanted word of God, which is the gospel, breaks us from the hopeless cycle of bondage to our overflow of filth and wickedness. The implanted word of God, not human anger, is what has the power to make us and others righteous and has the power to save souls. My road rage cannot save anyone. See, James is painting this, this picture, right, of the opposite of anger, filth, and wickedness with humility and meekness from the implanted word of God. Right? He's, he's giving you two things. Don't be quick to anger. With humility, receive the word of God. This implanted word is not just information. 
It's transformation. As James says, it is able to produce salvation. Human anger is destructive, and human anger is arrogant and self-centered. It is the overflow of the filth and wickedness that plagues our hearts, but the implanted Word of God offers the only powerful antidote to this turmoil within. It provides salvation through meekness and humility. Okay, personal section. What about us? What are we supposed to do with this anger problem? Well, it's a command. James says, stop the overflow. This was the sermon preview this week. Human anger is never righteous. It always, it's always an overflow of arrogance, filth, and wickedness. So when James says to his readers, know this, he is saying, even if you don't think this potential overflow of wickedness is in you, it is. When our filthiness and our overflow begins to manifest itself, it becomes quite destructive in many ways. Our filthy internal wickedness loves to dehumanize those we are in conflict with or disagree with, doesn't it? We speak quickly, and, it, and it's not pretty. Have you ever called someone who disagrees with your politics or a politician who disagrees with your politics stupid or evil? Filthy overflow. See, we have this desire to force people to conform to what we believe they should be culturally, spiritually, politically. We are driven to make loud, hasty declarations of how others have failed to meet your righteous expectations. We are confident our word should be the final word. Our wisdom must be heard and nothing more needs to be said. We become more convinced we are morally superior to whoever or whatever we have become angry with. We have no interest in being taught. We don't want to listen. We only want to teach, be heard. Filthy, wicked overflow's first instinct is never mercy. It's only interested in judgment, justice, revenge, retribution. In 2024, filthiness can also quickly overflow from a keyboard or a cell phone through text or social media. It's amazing how vicious our overflowing filth and wickedness can be through typed words, isn't it? Spend 10 minutes on Twitter. Except for my feed, it's beautiful, you, no problem. <laughs> One of the most common places where filthiness and wickedness overflow is when we're angry at family members. The stuff, the stuff that we figure out a way to do and say to one another at home, we would never even dream of saying to a stranger. It's crazy. So obviously, filthy, wicked overflow can manifest itself with these explosive, loud yelling, these hurling of accusations and insults and threats. But did you know that filthy overflow of wickedness is also passive-aggressive? That kind of behavior is just as filthy and just as wicked. Soft, subtle, hurtful little parting jabs, subtle, listen, nonverbal salvos, ghosting people, those are filthy, disgusting, wicked overflow as well. Secret slander, gossip, backstabbing. It's all anger-induced filthiness and overflow of wickedness. We all do it, don't we? Church people are especially adept at this kind of self-righteous overflow. 
passive-aggressive, self-righteous overflow is just as filthy as the loud yeller. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. Just because you're a little quieter with it doesn't mean you're better. You're just a little more skilled, a little more patient than I am. (laughs) Our anger-induced, filthy overflow of wickedness is even more potent when we do it with friends in groups or tribes. What about the filthy overflow of using your position, your money, your influence to hurt someone you're angry with? These are just some of the many ways our filthy wickedness can overflow, and they all have one thing in common. All these filthy overflows are born out of an arrogance that believes that we are better than others in a specific certain area. We're not stupid enough to say we're perfect, but we are stupid enough to say we're perfect in some places. Our arrogance is convinced that our anger gives us the right to sit in judgment of others that justify some of these behaviors. They all come from deep within. When we are triggered, there's that word, it just gushes forth. According to James, those gushes are never righteous. They will always be powerless to make you or your target of your overflowing filth and wickedness righteous in any way. Those overflows are powerless to transform others. In fact, it just makes everything worse, including our own self. Our filth and wickedness never produces meekness or or humility in us or others. It spawns more filth and more wicked, filthy overflow. Okay, high-risk, high-risk maneuver. Hope I get this right. Six minutes. You think? Well, let's just say I don't believe you. When our filth... Y'all are nervous, aren't you? I am too. I just trust me. I've never done... When our filthy... Can you keep an eye and let me know if it starts to be a problem? There's no metal, so... When our filthy anger does overflow, we search for the justifications, the reasons, the catalysts, the excuses... One of our go-to excuses, I'm nervous, for filthiness (laughs) and wicked overflow is to blame someone else or something else. How's it looking? You're not paying attention to me, are you? Okay. You know what we do? You know, here's what we do. Sorry about my anger. It was just a bad day. Everything went wrong. These people really ticked me off. Are you nervous? Oh, oh, that's nothing. The door's not going to blow off, okay? Stop. That's practically a trigger. All right, I'm nervous. Okay, but you get the idea. If I was brave, it could have been like a disaster, right? In case, okay. Feel better? Okay. It was just a bad day. Everything went wrong. These people really ticked me off. Listen to me. Your bad day wasn't the problem. When the heat was turned up, your bad day just revealed what was in your bowl. It revealed your filthy wickedness that was always inside, ready to boil over. All it took 
was a little bit of heat. Have you ever left milk like this on the stove? Or in the microwave for too long? You want me to start it up again or should I just... I can. You guys are scared of that. This is how you should feel about your anger. When the heat is turned up, a heart without humility from implanted word of God always overflows with wickedness and filthiness. When your filth and wickedness overflow, do not blame the bad day. In humility, just admit, my milk was already in that pot. Church family, how we handle our anger and its filthy overflow is another critical test of our ropes of faith. Colossians 3.8, look what Paul says. Now you must put them all away. Anger, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. I wish he was a little clearer, don't you? Look what he says in Ephesians. He says this in Ephesians. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The world around us is like an anger microwave revealing our wicked overflow. Church, we need to stop the overflow. We will get angry, but if we have ropes of faith that we can rely upon, we will learn to put aside the filth that causes this overflow of wickedness. Question for you, how many bad days do you have? The day's not the problem. James says the solution is you need to receive with meekness and humility the implanted word of God which is able to save your souls. Does your filth and wickedness overflow too often? Are you constantly trying to dispense your righteousness to others? Are you quick to speak? Quick to act as filth and wickedness overflow when the heat is turned up? I don't want you to forget how nervous you were about this little, you know, quarter cup of milk. Church family, this is a very important test of your ropes of faith. We must lay aside our filthy overflow of wickedness because our anger is never interested in forgiveness. It's only interested in judgment or contempt. But the implanted word of God transforms us. So receive with humility and meekness the implanted word of God. It will save your soul and help you to have the power and the desire to set aside your filthy, wicked overflow. When you are angry, run to the Father of lights, who is the one who has implanted this word of God in your hearts, the one who gives every perfect gift. In meekness and humility, receive it. It rescues you from being quick to anger and enables you to love and forgive others. When we can put aside our overflow and wickedness and we can learn by the implanted word of God giving us this ability during our anger, when we can learn to forgive others the way God, by the way, has forgiven you, then transformation and healing happen. Church family, Grace Life family, in meekness and in humility, run to the cross, receive the implanted word of God that will save your 
souls. Dear Jesus, we've got an anger problem. Lord, when we're angry, we don't really understand just how bad it is. But this morning, you've given us a 25 or 30 minute time frame just to step back and, and look at it. And Lord, this, this nervousness from the microwave, Lord, I pray that by your spirit and by your word, you would trans, transmit that nervousness that we had from the microwave to our own filthy overflow. We've got to shut it down before it's too late. Politics, culture, being wronged personally, all those things, God, we confess, we are just not very good at handling them naturally. Oh, dear Jesus, we just pray that you would break our hearts for our sinful, filthy, wicked overflow that comes from anger. Lord, cure us from that cancer. And Lord, when we, when we are angry, even when that anger is justified, Lord, I pray that, that your spirit and your word be angry and sin not, put away all malice and, and, and gossip and slander. Lord, that these things would come to our mind and by the spirit of God and by the power of your word and the, the miracle of the gospel that you would help us to put it aside. Take it, put it aside, and receive with meekness the implanted word of God. So Jesus, we confess to you as, as a church, as individuals, we have an anger problem and we need you to fix it. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we love you.